Get your ears on, boys. This is Zach King. Steve Shaw. Dan Brown. This is Joe Dye. Coming at you live from Shaw Ranch. Shaw Ranch. The Shaw Ranch Studio for Kingfish and Friends. Kingfish and Friends. Kingfish and Friends. Kingfish and Friends. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Kingfish and Friends podcast here at Shaw Ranch Studio. Um, Zach King, we got the legendary Chubbadai in the house. Hey. Uh, we got the mastermind behind the board, Hello. Steve Shaw. Thank you. He knew who I was talking about. <laughs> and uh, back from the dead, into the 40 realm, Dan Brought. Hey. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thanks. That was like, oh. a, uh, I'm an old man now. Old Yay. <laughs> Our special guest of the day, Mr. Cody Wilt of Cold Spring Union. Yeah, yeah. How's it going, guys? Yeah, How you doing, brother? Good, man. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks for being here. You guys thanks got deja vu right now? Yeah, it is kind of, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, why do you ask? <laughs> Heck yeah. So yeah, Shelby tell us a little here. bit about your uh, extravaganza last week, Dan. Yeah, man. We had some friends over. Uh, I went over and uh, everybody had a big party for me at the North Mountain Inn. Yeah, happy yeah. birthday. Yeah, thanks. We got pretty uh, pretty drunk. And uh, <laughs> yeah. And we that's raged. why you weren't here last week. Yeah, yeah we raged until the break of dawn. Uh, you know, the blue sky of shame. Can't imagine. Once again, and, and there we were. The blue sky of shame. Yeah, man. It gets you every time. Comes quick. Oh, yeah. You're like just having that great time, and then all That's of a sudden, hilarious. oh no, birds are chirping. Well, maybe not this time, <laughs> right? <laughs> Why are you mocking me? Yeah, <laughs> come on, it's hilarious. Chubb, you're looking rather plain today. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> no patterns, no craziness. Nope, I'm yeah, a bummer, mine are even man. better. Yeah, Dan has better uh, pants on than you, Chubb. But he's still as cool as me. Yeah. He's got the classic flannel look today. You're right. There's no possible way I could be as cool as you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chubb does have the, the mismatch of like the striped hat, the, the flannel <laughs> shirt, and then yeah. the solid plain jogging right. pants. So. Right. Yeah, they're yeah. great. But it's always yeah, the comic. It's always the comic book characters. You got a slipper on. Everything I got a slipper on, dude. It's actually not even a slipper. It's a water shoe. Water shoe. <laughs> <laughs> As in case I hit the water out here, Just man. in case it comes down, man. I'm glad you said something because I saw it outside, but we were talking and I forgot to comment on it. <laughs> Got a damn water shoe on. Water shoe. Excuse me while I hold my breath. I'm going under. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Oh, man. That's hilarious. Oh, yep. Old Chubb never cooler ceases to that's well, hilarious. the weather around here, you never know. Yeah, right? you yeah, never know. Yeah, right? It's been raining a lot. It's been raining a lot. <laughs> That's crazy. You're ready for it. Oh, my God, Joe. Get stuck on Potato Road, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Flooded out. Down on Potato oh, Road. Man. Well, Cody, you just got back uh, from a trip down south. Yes, sir. Promoting your new works. Just put out a new EP. That's right. The pre, uh, preamble EP. Preamble, Cold Spring Union. You were down uh, strutting your stuff. Oh, yeah. Down in Nashville. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we had a really great time. Uh, we got invited to uh, participate in a showcase down on Music Row, which was really cool. That's like a bucket list thing for me. And uh, we were fortunate enough to be able to you fly down as a band and get a couple days together with the boys kind of thing and take in some sights and go and play our music, which was really cool, too. Is yeah. this something that you entered into, or did they come out, come to you? Or how, uh, how Yeah, we, we, did a, we did a submission, uh, but we were invited to participate, so nice. cool. we were grateful for that. And you so always were submissive. Again? You know, man, there was a lot of unknowns with right. that. Uh, I, To be honest with you, I just had a good time on the trip and tried not to overthink it. Right. Uh, they put you on a big stage in front of a big crowd. Is that uh, that's all part of it, or what? Well, that was that part was fun. Yeah. Uh, like, I got to admit, like, the venue Live Oak was, was very cool. I, w- I wish we had more stuff like that up here, mm-hmm. uh, but it's kind of like 
if I had to compare it to something, it would be like if uh, like HMAC got a facelift. Oh, gotcha. You know, it was like about mm-hmm. about that, like with less duct tape, though. Gotcha. Oh, right. <laughs> nice. Uh-huh. I think HMAC is getting a facelift. I think they are, actually. They're changing they're, their they're name. Yeah, and they're oh, changing right. owners they're and everything. Yeah, yeah. They, I think the, the paperwork submitted everything. Uh, actually, my buddy Chris Warner is, uh, I think, the head of the operation now. Cool. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be changed to – I've seen it on Facebook, so I think we can say it. It's called the Pantheon. probably is called the Pantheon by now. Uh, yeah, right I did on. see that name, actually. Oh, yeah. I'll have to check that Which out. Which is a pretty good name, I think, actually. Oh, yeah. Because well, it is like a plethora of mm-hmm. stuff there. Mm-hmm. Now, the Pantheon like, is the place in Rome, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. No, that's the Parthenon. Yeah. What? Yeah, that's the Parthenon. What's Parthenon has the, oh. the all the columns all the way yeah, around. Yeah. It. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Oh. Just cut that part out. Well, they do have a couple, they do have a couple columns, I guess. I don't yeah. know. I don't oh, know man, what it'll be cool, man. <laughs> Any place that uh, wants to open up and play more music is good. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I agree with that 100%. They always do a bunch of stuff in there, too. So Yeah. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Mm-hmm. How many bands were you playing with down there? I think in total there were ten acts that night. That's awesome. From all over the country, or yeah, like we we met a, a few people that come up from Arkansas, Georgia. Uh, there was one band that came down from Kentucky, and uh, it was a bluegrass band. So like we listened to everybody's stuff before we got down there, mm-hmm. and uh, so we're sitting around the breakfast table uh, drinking beers and listening yeah. to everybody else's stuff. And uh, it's a bluegrass band out of Kentucky called uh, Eight Days Sober. And the dude couldn't could have been nicer and just great voice. Like, I love that Kentucky draw. Like, there's something yeah. about, like, mm-hmm. these Kentucky guys where it's, like, they all sound great when they sing. Like, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. I've been I've been asking them, like, some of our buddies down there, like, what do you, what do you, send me up some of your water. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't what's know the, what's going on down gravel. there, but I want to get a part of it. It's that moonshine slur. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. It's just everything, though, man. Like, you hear so much good music coming out of Kentucky mm-hmm. these days. I mean... Everybody's coming out of there. A lot of the guys that like you listen to though, uh, like uh, like Ian No and yeah. Tyler Childers, all those guys, like it's a lifestyle. Right. You know, it's like they're singing about the life, how they it grew is, up, you know, right? the way it is down there. Even Sturgill came different. from you know that area, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I've got a friend that lives in the Daniel Boone Forest down there. Daniel go, Boone. Yeah, man, you go down there and listen to see the sights and stuff down there, man. It's pretty cool how how people. It's a different setting for sure than than yeah. what we're used to here. Right. Like I, I can only. Compared to like Perry County times oh, God, ten or that. something, you know, it's like it's like Perry County times ten. Times ten. You know? Oh it's, man! It's like you're Call in when you're in a valley, you're in like a in a valley. You're in, yeah, you're in like, a holler. Yeah, what they call it a holler. Down yeah, there. holler. Right? In the holler. holler. Down in the holler. Get a swaller. Yeah, that's how I like it. <laughs> well, that sounds fun, man. So, uh, what else could happen down there? I bet you ate some good food. Oh yes, absolutely. So there's Did you get some hot chicken. Actually, this time I did not get a chance to get hot chicken. Like we were, we were making our way to all the shops and everything. I actually left my strap up here, so uh, because we were flying down, I had to borrow a gig bag from somebody. And uh, Zach and I actually used to work at the same shop in Carlisle, uh, Woodshed Guitar Works. Uh, Owner's Chris Delaporta. Big Dick and Daddy. I was talking <laughs> yes. to him about it. I'm like, man, I I I've only ever had to fly with my Les Ball like once. And it was an international flight, and I like had a panic attack the whole time. <laughs> and uh, so I was talking to him about it. He's like, well, dude, I got this, this mono bag that you can borrow. And he's like, they, they pretty much have to curb snop it to, to do any, any damage. And it was a double bag, so I got a Les Paul in it, and I got uh, John's Telecaster in it, and we were set to jet. But uh, 
Um, we had to stop at Grun, of course, just to kind of do the touristy thing. And I was like, shit, I left my guitar strap oh, uh, in my hard shell case back ah. in PA. And so I'm like, well, I might as well pick up a strap. I needed another one anyway. So nice. we went into Grun and we went to Carter's. And there's a really cool uh, hot chicken joint like around the corner from Carter's called Party Fowl hmm. that uh, I really enjoy, but didn't, didn't get a get chance any. to stop in. No. But we did go to uh, Hermitage Cafe, which is downtown there. And mm-hmm. That was a great time. Uh, they were hitting on our bass player, Morgan. He's got this like luscious beard, and this woman was like, oh, man, you a sexy man. You a sexy man. <laughs> uh, our bass player and our drummer shaved their heads, and she's like, I bet if you grew your hair out, it'd be long and wavy. <laughs> she was trying she was real hard. It, hard. was it was great, though. It was, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful yeah. moment. Nice. It was a beautiful Southern moment. hospitality, man. That's right. That's right. That's you guys weird. want some chicken? How about some sex? <laughs> well, I got the biscuits. Right. <laughs> I got the neck meat, huh? Oh, chicken boy. gizzards, huh? That's your style. Yeah, right? yeah, that's chicken right. gizzards. Damn straight. Mm, well, yeah, I seen a big. Actually, somebody I know is just in Nashville too, and they took a picture, uh, like one of those 3D photos or whatever, mm. you know, of Carter's vintage guitars. Nice. And it's just like. I was like, God damn, I gotta go there. I, I, they got the best of it. I've never been a weekend I've, in there. I've never got to go to Nashville. Yeah. I tried uh, to go one time. I made it as far as Knoxville, and I burned it down so hard that I ran away the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Well, South is ruined for me. I gotta go. Better get out of town. <laughs> Grins is a cool place. Though. Grins is very cool. Uh, the first time I went in there, there was a tuxedo black custom like mine in the case, but it was like seventies. It was like an $11,000 price tag on it. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I think that's the hardest thing about going into guitar shops down there is everything is really great, but it's also all Real really expensive. expensive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. priced exactly and what it's it like, is. You know, yeah. yeah, like if you come and you hang out with us in Carlisle, like, you know, we, we also sell used gear. It's the same thing, but like nothing that we have is, is that crazy, right. you know? Yeah. Uh, but you go in, and I was joking with John, our other guitar player, and I was like, man, you know, I can, I can literally go through every day of my life really without like tripping, falling over, knocking things down, and then you get in there where it's like, well, there's a hundred and fifty thousand dollar mandolin, you know, and it's like all of a sudden I'm very conscious of the potential that I have to fall and just domino this whole store, you know. Uh, which I'm sure they've got great insurance, but you yeah. Know. I remember at one time I was down there and uh, this dude handed me a strat, and it was like old, you know, <laughs> like one of the first years, and I was just standing there messing. Beautiful, you know. It's like, what's the price tag on this? You know. Forty-eight thousand. I'm Jesus. like, here, please, please put this. Back. <laughs> Take it back. Yeah, you know, Leo Fender never learned how to play guitar. Is that the truth? I yeah. think so. Yeah, he was just crazy. an engineer. Engineer. Yeah. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Boy, was he an engineer? He had a partner, I think, who was a guitar player. Well, dun dun dun. Smart if you guys. didn't know, <laughs> that's who I G and L's came from. Right? Yeah. Stuff, yeah. We do know stuff. Leo and uh, what was the other dude? Oh man. I don't know if I know what the name is, but I, I can tell you a lot of GNL strats oh, yeah. are more strat than Fender strats. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, right. yeah. So, yeah, because I don't think uh, Leo Fender actually owned Fender for very long. Hmm. Uh, I think it was like a decade or maybe a little. Yeah, more. they they sold it, and then he sold it off, and then him and the other guy, whoever the G is, yeah, that's GNL. Yeah, yeah. interesting. G, I prefer to think of it as like Giovanni. Or Greg, yeah, yeah. something really dark and mysterious. Gerard, you know? yeah. <laughs> Gerard and Leo. Gerard and Leo. That's great. <laughs> Good lord. Oh, well, man. so what are you guys going to do now? So you went out and you played the showcase. You 
it, was it a competition or like what was a yeah so like when they reached out the whole idea was you know if you come down uh and you like first the like first place was like an ep at cinderella um which was cool and i mean i gotta say like they they did do their best to invite like relevant people to come out and participate so like i i couldn't remember the names of the judges there but there was a lot of names being thrown around like i think uh one of the people invited uh was related to Ernest Hubs and another person really you know it was like a, that kind of thing right. you know yeah, what sure. i mean it's like thing. you know these people aren't really around anymore but you know we can find somebody close to it you sure. know but it was cool like and we got a lot of great feedback from people i know the one guy uh so like when we finished playing and we went outside i was outside smoking a cigarette with john and the dude came out and was talking to us and he was just you know, he wasn't selling us any bullshit. It wasn't like, you know, well, give me 10 grand and I can really do something for you. You know, he just come out and like hung and he was cool. I mean, the dude had to have been in his seventies and, nice. but we talked shop and you know, he, he was paying attention, which was really cool. Mm -hmm. Like to be able yeah. to go down there and you're on music row where like, this is where all the writers are. You know what I mean? Like this is where it's getting done. And so to be able to go down and play something that you wrote and have people actually like it and take, take notes, at least to the point that they could come back and talk to you and like give you feedback about it. Mm -hmm. That was really fucking cool. That's super yeah. helpful. Um, but the, the dude was a total boss too. Like <laughs> yeah. every girl, I, I shit you not, every girl, uh, didn't matter if they were 23 or 83. Like this dude was macking on everybody. <laughs> uh, he stopped one lady. I mean, this lady had to been like in her 50s, you know, driving a Porsche. And she stopped in the middle of the lane, put her four ways on, and they're just like this back and forth, like hand gestures and stuff, you know, nothing like dirty or anything, but it was definitely very friendly, you know. <laughs> and in the meantime, like he's also hollering at like these 23 year old blonde girls walking up the sidewalk. And then there's wow. a girl that came out that just played that night, you know, and he knows all of them. They all know him, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. Getting in line for hugs and so it reminded me of Chubbs, you know. <laughs> Sounds like this a dude needs a song written about him. That's, that's great, wild. man. That's awesome. Yeah. So. What was it? Who was the guy? I, I don't even remember what his name yeah. was, man. That's that's I have the life of a musician. There is yeah. a great the worst? community like, you feel down there as well too. It does have that like small town, like everybody knows each other, or you know they, and they and they they all stick up for one another too. Yeah, that's, that's the other thing. Um, there isn't people think there's a lot of competition, and I mean there is to a certain point in the game. I mean that's business. But as far as like reaching out to people and then asking and like getting help, I mean it's there. Like there, that's that's what people do. Yeah, I, we really enjoyed it. I think for us, it was just you know to just have even the opportunity to do that. And right. uh, we had uh, a lot of help with the trip too. Like we had a benefactor that helped us get the plane tickets and everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we didn't have to worry about any of that. How do you just, get you one know. of those? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> luck, I suppose. Sugar I mean, Daddy? <laughs> actually, you know, uh, in business, it's called benefactor. <laughs> right. That's right. How many songs did you do for your uh, showcase? Uh, everybody got two songs. Oh, so, nice. uh, we did two songs off of the EP. We did, uh, memory of you, which is one that I wrote and sing on. And then, uh, John did one that he wrote and sings on, uh, called chasing the dream nice so and i'll tell you the cool thing about it like it was a very wide array of of musicians getting up like our favorite i personally i'll speak for myself not the band but personally i think my favorite was a toss-up between the bluegrass guy from kentucky and then there was another gentleman that was up from texas and was going like full-on george Strait on it i mean he had this <laughs> yeah. he had this bitchin stetson hat and uh, like just looked the part like head to toe and I didn't know what to expect. You know what I mean? But he got up there and he started picking and he was a good picker. Nice. Awesome. Uh, and he had these great lines. Like, uh, I think one of the lines was something like, you know, 
talking about like getting getting the booty call from your ex in the middle of the night and he's like every time i do i remember why i don't and i'm like man that's a great line i, right. I, I like oh, yeah. this you know i'm so big on lines man yeah. like yeah uh, you know I, I like a an instrumental as much as the next guy but man the guy who can I just don't. crush you with with lines you know you yeah know. i like lines oh man give me a good lyric it'll yeah. just ruin me yeah, absolutely forever <laughs> yeah i agree I, I've always been a fan of like well, me and Chubb talk about this all the time. That's kind of like why we got into this is about yeah. the whole emotion behind all of why we perform. You know what I mean? Right. Like you said a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the iPad when you got your iPad. We asked you if you were going to start playing your songs off of it, <laughs> and and you made a good point. You're like, I don't play a song unless I'm well rehearsed on it, and I feel that I can put the emotion that's necessary right. into we, it. We have a standing rule in the band that you know? you're not allowed to. If you want to know, if you want to play a song, you have to know it. Because, like I said, you can't. How am I supposed to convey an emotion if I can't feel the emotion? The only way I can feel it is if I know the song. You know what I mean? That's the only way I can do that. You for somebody you. else, absolutely. absolutely. I think that's the only way it should be done. Right. I get like having one as a backup. I'm getting older. You know what I mean? Like, I definitely sat there and looked at the mandolin player. Like, uh, what's the what's the first lyric? You know what no, I mean? That <laughs> Shit. <laughs> you know. So I can get like having it there as an assistant. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like I said, get old, you know what I mean? You just can't remember yeah. everything all the time. So I like I like the idea of having one as an assistant, which I don't do yet, but yeah. I, I it might be something I would turn you know, uh take in later Well, I mean guys I mean guys like Willie Nelson and all those guys and, and probably other guys too, you know, they all have teleprompters. How like does Willie stage, Nelson you know? remember anything? <laughs> they don't <laughs> but I mean like how's he got somebody singing it into his he's ear? Written, like I don't know, four hundred million line, albums, Willie. you know yeah. what I mean? Like how did you remember any songs after yeah. that? I actually just read an article about him the other day. Uh, apparently, he's he's given up the reefer. That's what I yeah, heard, too. Heard yeah. right. He's just going edibles. edibles. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank God. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. We so might have already had this conversation, didn't we? I think we might have. Was, this, was yeah. this on last week's episode? Well, the week before, because uh, yeah. I wasn't here last week. Yeah. Yeah, Willie Nelson. He's so laying a lot. you guys also played a, a marathon, or, or you're going to play a marathon? Oh, yeah. That was uh, up at the New York City Marathon. That was cool. That so, is cool. I think really for us, like what's been really cool for me about this project, aside from just you know being able to agree amicably, like we want this to be original. You know, we want as many opportunities. Like John and I, like I think we're both songwriters at heart, but we're also like we've been guitar players in bands, right? Which I really like doing both of those things. I think it's different extensions of your personality, and sometimes it's nice to be able to like sing and like really connect with people or like you know really kind of. I don't really know how to describe it. It's like if you're really singing and it's something that's like really hitting you that day, it's like you almost like amplify that Absolutely. part of you, you know, and like, and that's, that's a rush. Yeah. And there's something about that that's really nice. Especially when they've given yeah. it back to you. It's absolutely. Right. There's yeah. this big change of energy happening between each other. But then I also really like, you know, kind of stepping away from the microphone and just playing guitar too. Like, cause that's, that was like, that was my first real instrument. Like that was where sure. I really jumped into something. And and that's like a language in and of itself too. So it's like a different way to convey that. And you know, nights when you're on and you feel it, like it's it's just a, a rush, better. unlike anything else. So, so but back to the marathon thing. So why? Yeah. How did how did that happen? Uh, so this is something that uh, Brandon and John had done in another band before. Oh, so cool. they had a contact for it, and uh, you know what what I was saying before is I think what's been really cool this year is like when we're doing our booking, when we're looking for places to play, like some of it has been, you know, like where are the places that you would want to play? Like, sure. you know, there's definitely an element here. Like, and we were talking about this earlier where, you know, there's, there's a money element. It's, you know, financially, 
uh, invested right. in my future. You know what I mean? Like I got bills to pay just like everybody else. So I got to get paid, but you know, there's also the the other side of it. That's very rewarding intrinsically where like, even if you don't make anything, right. you know, it's a part of me, part of that for me this year has been like all the traveling we've gotten to do and like play places that I've never, you know, done before. Like I'd never played New York city before this year and we got a chance to go up twice. Nice. So, now, who does your booking for you guys? Are you guys all doing it's, it? Or? It's mostly independent. I mean, we we have some friends that will reach out. And I think that's part of the cool thing, too, of like being part of this community and like starting to get to the point where you've been doing it for a while. So people know you. So like some of it is is just, you know, good friends that reach out. Like, Zach, you handled like booking in at Chicks in Perry County. And uh, Boom. like mm-hmm. you, you'll just reach out and be like, hey, I got this date available. And I know you do that like with Dan and Chubbs and stuff, yeah. too. So like – that's definitely a part of it. And it's good because that frees up your time to focus on trying to do other stuff. Right. Like chasing after other gigs that you wouldn't necessarily go after right away. Right. You know, well, you guys are but, definitely staying busy. So whatever you're doing, it's working. Yeah. We're trying. You yeah. Know? I see you all over the place. Like, so that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think that, uh, local boy does good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I'll for sure local be contacting you now, uh, to, for the Molly picture as well. Uh, right on so yeah there's yet another venue in town absolutely uh, thursday gig which is super yeah, nice thursdays, thursdays are great are harder thursdays to get are great yep seven to ten so that's cool i mean we were talking earlier before uh we came in here about like just seeing things down there like it's fresh in my mind because we just got back friday sure mm-hmm. um but you know seeing like how many venues there are and how hungry people are for music down there now part of it's like the novelty of the tourism, oh, yeah, sure. you know, yeah, they're definitely and, going you know, there for that. So, but you know, to see how hungry people are for it, it's like, man, like, how do I get you folks like back up to PA? Right. And a handful of them are. I mean, you sit in one bar and there's someone next to you from Pittsburgh, and you go to the next bar and there's somebody there from Harrisburg, and it's like you guys would drive 12 hours to come down here and listen to bands that you don't know and have no investment in, who are going to play cover songs that you've already heard on the radio. Yeah, right. but. If you just hung around in your own backyard long enough, you could see all the talent up here. And that's the thing. Like, the bands up here are just as good, if not better, than a lot of the bands that I heard in Nashville. Right. Uh, But what's the – now, speaking from a technical point, because I've been to Nashville as well, like, what did you think the production value was in Nashville compared to our our area in a whole – that there's definitely a contrast. Yeah. Um, and, and like you said, like it, it's different because that is where it is. Like they have more business. A lot of our, a lot of our clubs and venues up here, like it's a second you, thought. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, when you book a band and let's say you're going to pay a band X amount of dollars to come out and you got to cover that nut. Plus you still want to make money. Like right. you don't just want to book them so that you can pay them all the extra money that you made that night. Right. Cause what do you, what's in it for you? Right. You know, at the end of the day, everybody's looking at their bottom line. And I think up here, like without being able to get people into venues that, you know the production that does become an Suffers. afterthought like yeah. some people it's like well i got a i got a four channel mixer and a couple of powered speakers and yeah. no monitor Make but but it makes noise so right. you know here you go and then and then as a band like you're kind of left to be like well do we just ride this out or do we invest our money that we were gonna make from the show <laughs> and buy what we need or rent what we need or so that we can which we almost always do because for us it's like for me personally, I would rather go play a kick-ass show and like really connect with people and give somebody a reason to come see us again mm-hmm. and have a great time and not make much money 
then like go play a show where I feel like my soul is being sucked out of me. You know what I mean? And like make a lot of money. Right, and right. and that's something else that, you know, we've we've stuck to our guns on pretty good. And even some of like the corporate things that we've gotten to do, um, like the New York City Marathon and stuff like that, like right. we still get to do our stuff, right. which is really cool. Right. That is cool. Right. I guess that's a good point though, if you think about it, you know, their whole business revolves around the music as opposed to here where it revolves around the bar. Right. Exactly. And the music is a secondary thought. Right. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they're going to have a sound guy in there. And he's been playing that room. He's been running that room for 20 Who knows? freaking yeah. years. You right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he knows exactly how to bring everybody in and make it sound good. he's had good. every band under the sun in right. there. Right. You know, and then, so. you know, as opposed to up here in the contrast that you're talking about, you know, you come up here. And it's the band bringing in their random PA system, trying to figure out how to set it up in a bar they've never been in before and make it sound good still. Or even bars um, they have been in before, but it is what it is. You know, right, that's all they right. have. So. But like, to, you know, to the point we were talking about, like, uh, you know, HMAC and stuff like that changing and stuff. We do have places that are really starting to, you know, appreciate these things. And there you know, are you've got a few. ABC and HMAC mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, places like that that you can go up and still... You know, not have to take all your shit along, which is a the best yeah. part of the world. Yeah. 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 XL. <laughs> when you get that text, you're like, you don't have to bring a sound. You're like, oh yeah. Or or you go play somewhere that has already contracted the mighty Steve Shaw, right? And yeah. you know it's gonna sound great. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's always the best. The the one thing that's common denominator though too, though even down in Nashville, even though the bar is based around the business of the music, there's still such an outpouring and a like a there's such a huge scene of musicians available that. They all play for tips. That's right. true. Because supply yeah. and demand. I mean, yeah. there's so many of them and so right. few bars. Absolutely. And, 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 and it's not just country music either. Tipped. Yeah. And it's like 30 bucks for like five minutes of parking down there too. Yeah. So like yeah. even even if they're making like $700 in tips, like you got to figure like how much of that is going back in. I think one of the coolest tricks that I've seen with that is bands that are down there like on Broadway who are doing like the Nashville set. Like they'll put a sign out where it's like, Freebird, fifty bucks. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and it's like, but people will do it, yeah, sure. because they'll crush it too. They will crush it, and the thing is, is you'll get drunk tourists that to come down, and you could play Freebird like five times, right? Because in saying, one day, because right. you're playing like three shows that day. Sure, you know, right. you take the sign with you, or you know, however that works. I don't know if there are three sets or three shows in one venue, or if you just kind of bounce around, kind of thing. But. uh you know, but man, like that's got to be rough too. I mean, we're talking like sixty-hour work week of just playing, playing. Right. and you're playing the same songs. That's yeah. soul sucking. Yeah, oh, dude, that man, is. Yeah. Just imagine Skinner yeah, playing. There's a bar down there that has like three or four different levels. I remember, and they had like all the windows the open tootsies. when I was there. Yeah, and yeah, yeah there's probably bands going on in each level. Yep. you're right though, Chubb. You said it's not just country music. There's a a band that we met from West Virginia. Uh, Hello June, and and they've been making trips to Nashville and working with a guy um, there. And uh, I was talking to her the other day, and she said like the response, like they get a decent response where they're from, you know. But again, they're original band, so the same kind of thing that we have here, you know. But uh, they go to Nashville, and it's raving, you know what I mean? They get opportunities to play Uh-oh. in small little places like. The place that you were at, and uh, yeah, they just have a great time and play their music, and people appreciate it. It's a showcase, and everyone listens and pays attention to what they're doing. Yeah, I see you're getting a little FaceTime (laughs) on your. uh, Oh my, my boys are calling me. (laughs) Sorry, that's my bad. (laughs) They're gonna do it again here one more time. (laughs) 
They're yeah, little, like I said, down there, there's today. all kinds of music. It's just not country down there. No, yeah, it's a pretty yeah, wide. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of music. I have a good friend of mine, Matt Hankins, that lives in Nashville. And, yeah. uh, he's he's a big part of the freelance audio scene down there. And he does a lot of stuff for film and um, like freelance filming and uh, small production stuff. But he he's in a small band. You know, he helped me get the studio together. Big yeah. shout out to Matt Hankins, and because yeah. uh, he's he's a you know uh, Pennsylvania fish. boy, yeah. Yeah, puffer fish. But he, uh, you know, I go down and hang out down there with him, and he takes me to a lot of the places. And you know, there is, there's just a vast array of every kind of music. It's a big conglomerate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, like that that stereotypical like all Nashville's country. It's everything. It's just a music. Yeah. City, it's just man. a big music. Yeah. City, Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Now you like I've always heard that like East Nashville is like a a scene. That's more friendly to like America. I guess I hate to say it, but like Americana. I guess you know, which is real country. Which I hate saying that too. You know, it's such a stereotypical thing. But I don't know. I've always heard that like East Nashville with clubs like the Basement. I think it's called. Yeah. Um, Basement East and different venues like that. Um, I see a lot of bands that are in the same kind of vein um, and go there and play and do those kind of shows and then. Also come to places like Philly and play places like the Boot and Saddle and oh, yeah. the smaller clubs. And it seems like there's almost like an – it's like you have your mainstream circuit, of course. You have what's going on with the cover band and the um, tourist community. But then you also have this like – I like to call it like the silver lining, which is like that – It's like an underground. It's like that underground thing where all these guys that like – and you know Jason Isbell was a part of it too until he kind of – Rose to the Rose occasion, up, right. and same thing with like Chris Stapleton. He he worked himself into the scene, did like the behind the scenes stuff, right? Remained true to what he was doing, and then it kind of comes around, you know. And, and that's pretty cool to see. Yeah, I, I think there's a couple things with that. Like you know, number one, like nobody really is an overnight success. Nobody, nobody. It, it never Worse happens that way. <laughs> even even I mean, we could sit here and we could rag on people all we want, but like mm. even those people, like it's not an overnight exactly, thing. Exactly. Yeah, and. Uh, but I think that music, as an independent artist, like opportunities and things have really tremendously changed with technology, and it's something that you know there's no roadmap to this. Like I think you just kind of figure it out as you go. And I always look at it this way: it's like if I'm grinding as hard as I can possibly grind, and things don't work out, well then it just wasn't in the cards. You know, maybe mm-hmm. bad, maybe it's bad timing. You know, I try I try not to be too hard about it. You know, yeah. but you know I want to put my best foot forward and. But it's like even talking to my family about it, like I had a conversation with my family not that long ago and, you know, we were talking about, you know, kind of how things have worked out and, uh, you know, where I'm at in life kind of deal. And, and they, they actually apologized to me. Oh, nice. They were like, you know, I, I didn't even know that this was a thing. Right. Like I didn't know this was an option. Yeah, you because know, I, I, I traveled around a lot after high school, but then I went back to Shippensburg. That's where Zach and I met. Actually, mm-hmm. we ended up living like two doors down from one another. Yeah. And as soon as we figured that out, it was game over. <laughs> uh, so here's a guitar. Like I was like, sitting on my porch drinking beer, and I'd be like, "Hear this guitar blasting out the window," and I'd be like, "Damn, that motherfucker's ripping!" <laughs> you know? And I'm like, "Damn, where's that shit coming from?" You know. Right. And then I actually was at the bar one night, uh, University Grill. Um, when I turned 21, and I was at the bar sitting with some of my friends, and Cody was playing a solo show. Oh, cool. And, um, yeah, I won't say what Brianna said to me, but she was like, damn, who is that guy, you know? <laughs> and I was like, damn, you know, who is this guy? And he was like, play. and the thing is, he was just a solo dude playing his Les Paul Custom, just tearing it up. 
And we're all sitting at the bar like, who the fuck is this guy? You know, seriously. <laughs> and I think I went from? up to him at the end of the night like, God damn, man, I got to shake your hand, you know, or some shit right. like that. That's how we met. Somehow we ended up hanging out. And then I found out he was the fucking guy blasting the shit out the window. Yeah, awesome. we lived on Penn Street. Yeah, we lived right there. We were like neighbors, yeah. That's yeah. cool. That was it was destiny, guys. Yeah, it was, it was wild. Yep. College was a wild time for us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm sure. But, yeah. you know, it's it's a, it's an interesting trajectory because you kind of go and you do the college thing because that's like everybody's like, man, you got to go to college. Like, mm-hmm. And I worked in a warehouse when I got back from South America and I messed my back up and was like <laughs> – Man, like, I don't want to do this shit. Like, I'm looking around, and, like, you'd see, like, one or two guys that were, like, in their 60s still doing it. And, like, man, they could hustle. Oh, yeah. Uh, but for the most part, man, you'd watch everybody. Like, you'd come in. Somebody joined the team, and, like, six months, something happened. They got hurt. Mm-hmm. They couldn't hack it anymore. And, you know, it's like, dude, I, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. I'm almost miserable. So I went to college, you know, because that's what everybody said to do. And then, you know, here we are now with, like, the student debt crisis. And it's like <laughs> – I owe more money for my student loans than I needed to buy my house. And, uh, you know, so I lovingly refer to it as my second mortgage. There you go. But, uh, you know, like talking to my family about it, you know, it was just like a, one of those every once in a while you sit down and have like a real conversation, you know, and they're like, oh, that's cool. You know, like what you're doing. Like, I don't even know how you're doing it. Yeah, I don't, I yeah, don't know props. how you would do this. But you really, it's, it's I think you just. You go out and you, like you said, you put your best foot forward and you meet awesome people like you all here and anybody else that I've been fortunate enough to meet that, you know, is like-minded and there's this cool little click that happens with it. Like, mm-hmm. Absolutely. For sure. So you're part of the club. I'm yeah, totally so. with you, though. I had no idea that, like, when I first started playing music stuff that you could actually make a living at it. But I think it's because everybody has the wrong mindset. Like, they think you have to be on the radio yeah. every day or you got to be, like, playing these huge sold-out venues to be a musician that makes a living. Right. And you don't have to. You, you know, it's, it's obviously it's the goal. Are. It would be right. awesome to right. do that. But you could totally make a living. And, you know, I didn't realize it until I first started going out and playing and I started playing with these other bands and stuff. And, you know, like, what do you guys do? And like, well, this is what we do. And how is that possible? You know? Yeah. And we're like, well, we play every night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? You know? that's, well, and that's like what you were saying. Like, nobody, nobody is an overnight success. But also it's like all about creating connections as long as you're going out, doing your best, putting your best foot forward, relaying that emotion that you feel, right. and creating an honest connection, there's no reason why you shouldn't be successful. Sure. Because people relate to that. And like you said, there is more opportunities nowadays with like technology and all that thing. And, but I think it's a great thing because, like again, we talked about like the scene in West Virginia and Kentucky and all those different guys. But like because of technology – more of those guys are being recognized. Sure. But now one or two of those guys like really blow up. It becomes a really big thing. And not only do people appreciate it, but they start to look back and say, who's next? Right. Who's the other guy? And now you get this thing where everyone's like digging for who's going to be the next guy. I've been waiting for and that And that creates opportunities forever. for everyone yeah. because now there's an interest in what everyone's been ignoring for so long, you know? Right. And that leads me all the way back around, like overnight success. You did a lot of shit long before you ever got to hear. Oh like, yeah, like with live music. Oh yeah, with traveling, with all that. And I don't even know if like Chubb or Dan know anything about that. So no, tell some. Let's about let's that. talk about some of that stuff, man. Because you did you did a lot of pretty cool shit. Should we cut to Ernie? I think everybody cool. wants to hear a song. I, I want to hear a song. Yeah, yeah. yeah let's cut, cut to a song. song let's do a song and then we'll and get then, into that. Like, right let's on. pick a song off of the the new album that we can take a listen to here. Set it up a little bit for us. 
Right on. I think Chubbs had said uh, Lucille Brown. You wanted to hear Lucille Brown? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, let's hear a bit of that. Cool. Really awesome. Rip wow. It, I mean, it jams. Yeah. It jams. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That was just a of... small taste, I'm sure, of what's on this album. I mean, that's. Yeah. I mean, it, what's cool about this record, and I think really about the band in general, is like John and I both switch places. Like, I don't sing the whole time. John doesn't sing the whole time. And neither of us plays the whole time, like lead wise. So you get like this very shift like it's a shifting dynamic but i don't really know how to describe it. like somehow it works you know mm-hmm. we have we have different influences as far as songwriting and and definitely like a different playing style but when we pass the gauntlet back and forth like i think it it works well yeah yeah and that was actually one of the compliments that we got from that dude we were talking to outside of uh live oak was he's like man he's like when you guys started playing like i really liked what you were singing and then this guy comes in and just rips it up and then he's like, and then you started your next track, and this guy starts singing, and he's like, oh, I thought that's nice. You know, they're going to let the guitar player sing one. And then you start ripping on it, and he's like, well, damn, you guys got two lead two lead guitar players and two front bands, you know, and you guys both did a good job with it. So that's, that's fun cool. right there. Yeah. So, But it's yeah. split down the middle. Like, three of the songs on the EP are me on vocals, and three of the songs on the EP are John on vocals. Nice. Yeah, that was that song. We all, we we were just talking, you know, man. It's so it reminds me of the Black Crows, definitely. Dude, that's that's like uh, I don't know. Like that's that's kind of I think where my heart is with it. You <laughs> right. know what I mean? Like that's that's one of my favorite bands. Shake Your Money Maker was a was a big deal for me. Oh man, yeah. I remember um, sitting in my cousin's car when I was a kid. They had that old T Bird or whatever, you know. He's sitting back there jamming <laughs> this thing out. Oh yeah. The 80s, bro. The 80s, bro. <laughs> <laughs> the T-Bird. Yeah, look, he woke Chubb awesome. up over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look at him. Starts fist pumping. Yeah, yeah the 80s, man. Yeah, you lived the 80s, didn't you? Boy, did I. Boy, did I. He, look, he's still lived, wearing it. Chubb lived the 80s so much that he thought he'd take a break through the 90s, 2000s, and 2010. Let myself catch up. That's great, man. That's wild. Oh, yeah. So, uh... So we have five more songs like that on there, huh? I think they're, you know, I think Lucille is probably, uh, probably one of the more like jammier rock songs. Right. Um, so like we were kind of joking about it uh, in the car 
on this trip. Uh, I remember watching a documentary on Metallica where they were talking about like the birth of thrash <laughs> and they're like, it's, t- it's too punk for metal guys and it's too metal for the punk clubs. Right. So like, where do we fit in? It's somewhere in between. And, uh, we actually had somebody say that to us down in Nashville, which I thought was cool. Now, obviously not like the punk thing or the metal thing, but sure. you know, it's like, it's like, it's too country for rock, but it's too rock and roll to be country. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? So, but you know, like Can't the, country be anything anymore? I pretty much, to you know. I think that's <laughs> they rap fair. now, right? So yeah, I mean, they, that's the thing that always bothers me. It's like you know, what do you call it? Country, country rock, Americana. Listen, man, I think and I, I hate all that shit. It's yeah. bands all and, the way across and, all the why, why do you? And that's actually something I always label stuff. It's either good or bad. That's exactly right? it. And that's, that's a great way to say it. There's two labels. I think that's actually an effect, though. The impact of of the accessibility of making music now. You know, it, you're not uh, hold to uh, a big corporate, you know, place now. You know, anybody can buy a computer, get the stuff, and make a pretty decent album mm-hmm. with almost no training. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, I think that it's blending music together so much now. You know what I mean? Because it's just so damn creative. You know, mm-hmm. they're blending it so much that it doesn't really exist in any genre anymore. If you want to say what it's something is, you have to name it like seven different things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, this is Americana country with a, you know, a rock and roll twist. Uh, blah, you know what I mean? It's just, mm-hmm. it's. I, I think the technology is like such an impact on it too, because like as, as more and more things become digital, uh, we see the like, increase in rates of individualism. Like we praise the individual now. And I remember like, you know, when back when like everybody was getting iPods, like I think I got one like a couple generations into it. Like right. I got well, like when the Nano came out, like that sure. was my first iPod experience, and I got iTunes. And never before in my life had I had to enter a genre for a band. Right. As you're like ripping all of your CDs into the computer, you know, which oh, yeah. took like fucking ten years. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but like you're like anytime it went an autofill because like we didn't have the internet. So, like, uh, it wouldn't autofill my shit. So, like, anytime I put a CD in, like, if you put in a Greatest Hits album, you were screwed. Because it was, like, you had 22 (laughs) tracks, and you had to type everything in. And you're like, this feels like work. Uh, But I remember specifically, I think, putting in, uh, like, Appetite for Destruction. And it being like, well, this is hard rock. And I'm like, oh, really? Hard rock? Like, how do we how do we draw this How's line? Right, yeah. You know, like, so it's not metal. It's not rock and roll. It's hard rock. Right. Uh, but then, like, depending on the album, it could be the same band and they could be classified as something else. But again, like, I think, like, we praise the individualism of it all. Like, do we even really need that information? Yeah. Sure. And, like, could, and think about what it does, too. It, like, stifles creativity. Because does. if you're if you're a guy and you get, you're a country guy now, well... Do I only play country? What if I want to play rock and roll? What if I want to? Yeah. What if I want to do anything? And now I'm pigeonholed into this one genre of music that you, you want to hire Chris me to Gaines. do. Chris That's what you do, dude. right? It's but, Sturgill Simpson. So yeah. here, here's the thing. Uh, when I first started playing by myself in the area, I was playing at a bar in Chambersburg, and uh, uh, I'm happily engaged exactly in a committed relationship. But this was all prior to this. Um, I love you, Mara. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I was playing. I was playing this gig. And uh, there was a girl that worked there, and we, we kind of ended up hanging out, and there was a guy that worked there that was not happy about this. <laughs> and uh, my first gig there was this Daisy Dukes and Cowboy Boots event. You know, Somehow I get booked into I was playing in a country cover band at the time, but like I had never done like solo stuff. You know, So they booked me for this event, and then all of a sudden this, this dick <laughs> that is upset with me, you know, I didn't do anything, I didn't know, you know, right. whatever, 
But uh, anyway, he makes this comment. He's like, country boy. He's like, country boy will never play here again. And I'm like, country boy. All right. Well, I went and bought me some cowboy boots, and uh, it's been paying my bills ever since. So, <laughs> But I never really thought about myself as being country. Sure. It's like it's like when Zach and I first met in Shippensburg, and we're joking about, you know, like, your your roots and everything. And Zach's like, man, I'm from Perry County. You don't even know. I was like, yeah. dude, I'm from yeah. Fulton County. He's like, what do you – you know what I mean? And it's like – I never thought about myself as country. I think it's just like part of your upbringing that sure. is, you know, part of who you are. Right. Uh, but, you know, honestly, like when it comes to like my personal taste in music and what I'm going to listen to from other people, um, as far as like more commercial music and stuff, like on the way here, I mean, I listened to a lot of Ozzy. Um, I was listening to some Queensryche and uh, <laughs> yeah, like Peter Schilling. Like it was yeah. all over the place. You know right. what I mean? Like, and, but nothing that I listened to was country. Sure. Actually, when we got back from Nashville and we had to drive home from the Philadelphia airport, our drummer had uh, Outlaw Radio on, and I had to put my headphones on. I'm like, I, I, I'm so countryed out right now. I can't <laughs> listen to anything. Right. You know? Yeah, I hear it. So we, we right before we cut to the song. Yeah, I was we just were, gonna say you. So all that stuff you listen to because when we were in college, you listen to all that crazy shit you know we would always be partying and stuff but you when you started writing songs like i remember when you wrote lucille brown for instance and it was an acoustic song absolutely played, yeah and you recorded it i think on your own or with somebody and you put some slide tracks on it yeah and put it on a demo and i think i have the cd somewhere but like to see all this transform you know is really a cool thing yeah it's like like we like we're gonna get into here. Like you've been doing this for a long time in like a lot of different kind of ways, but like to see this EP and the songs go from like these acoustic songs that you write and then transform into this with the band. Like it's really something. And That's it's, it's unique. I think even from yeah. my perspective, it's been that way. Like because I know the first gig that we did together, um, "Memory of You" is uh, one of the tracks on on the album. And uh, it was another one of those songs. Like, I wrote it by myself. Uh, we live out in Huntington County. And uh, I tell people we live in a cabin. Mars, like, don't be pretentious, you know. <laughs> uh, but we, we live out in the middle of nowhere, which is great because you can write anytime you want to. You can play anytime you want to. And you don't have to worry about noise complaints or anything like that. Nice. And, uh, but I had written that song out there by myself on an acoustic guitar and had probably played it out for, like, a year before hooking up with these guys. And of course, you know, when we talk about original music, they're like, well, what do you have? And so we start pulling songs out of the out of the bank. And um, that was one that we started playing together. And then to like hear people's harmonies coming in on things and like building it up in a way and then hearing John take a lead on it. And like, I think that's one of the cool things about having two lead guitar players is like, I'm very much the type of person where like if I'm playing on a song, it's like when we worked together in the Flat Wheels and Virginia wrote Eminent Domain mm -hmm. and I played that lap steel part on it, like... I sat and wrote that out. Like that's that's kind of how I think. Like I want to sit and like I want to actually create a piece. Yeah, like it I'm more or less going to play this the same way. It's not overly jammy. And I think for me it's like when you're on stage and everything's happening, if you improvise everything, like you tend to like go back to these same thoughts mm -hmm. over and over again. And for some people that might not matter, but for me it's like eventually I just get tired of doing it. But mm -hmm. if you can sit and write, then it comes through. But then when you're playing with a guitar player, who has a totally different approach to it, like they're going to hear that song in another way. So it's just between that and the vocal harmonies and the full band coming in on it, and then also me playing electric guitar on it rather than playing acoustic, uh, it just totally changes the whole thing. And it's kind of cool because it's like watching your creation come to life. You know, yeah, it's like absolutely. a Frankenstein moment. In somebody absolutely. else's eyes, in somebody else's vision, like not yeah. necessarily yours. Yeah, it's not just right. yours anymore. It's absolutely. 
Yeah, because they all put something into it, which makes it better, right? Right, you know? absolutely. So, every time, because you'll they'll do something. You know, well, I'll be sitting there playing like something I was writing. You know what I mean? And TJ will come in on the mandolin or something like that, and I'm like I, I didn't even think of something like that. You yeah. know what I mean? Catch you totally off guard. You're like, wow, it took it to it a whole other level, right? Yeah. yeah, and that could lead to a whole new idea. You know what I mean? That makes it something else. You know what I mean? And it, I love how a song will develop like that. That's it's always fun. I think. I think even to the point of like that song, like when I wrote that, I was kind of like, man, this is too formatted. Like it's too norm. Yeah. I like, honestly, it was one I was going to do kind of like a catch and release with, but then like when you hear what other people do with it and it changes it, you're like, okay, well I kind of dig it now. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird how it can bring a song out of from the dead like that sometimes. Just another person putting their take on it. It'll bring a song out of the dead for sure. Awesome. So, uh, but before we started, you were going to give us like some of your past here. Like, uh, so, you know, how did Cody Wilk get here today? Like, what was, where was some of the, where'd you start at? Like, how old were you when you started playing guitar? Very and, beginning. Uh, oh, shit, man. How long is this podcast? <laughs> uh, uh, no, actually, I started playing drums. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I remember uh, when I was real little, like probably like three or four, uh, my dad always played in cover bands. Oh, cool. And, uh, like I lived with his mom at the time and uh, they would have practice in the basement and I would go down and put my head right next to the drum set, like right next to the kick. How's your hearing today? Uh, it's, it's a little fucky in this year, you know what I mean? But uh, it was totally worth it. Totally worth it. Sure. So, but drums, that was like my thing. Like I wanted to be a drummer in the worst way. I had one of those like little uh, acrylic drum sets, you know what I mean? Right, with, yeah. uh, with the blue, blue drumsticks, yep. you know, uh, and got into that for a while. And then when I was about like 10, uh, I started getting into guitar and I absolutely hated it. <laughs> right. uh, I picked up piano somewhere along the line there too. And so like, then that was my thing was like, I'm not going to be a guitar player. I'm a pianist, <laughs> except I, I don't even think I knew that word Chubbs at the time. Is all, you know? yeah, Chubbs is also a penis. Yeah, he is. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I ended up getting into guitar. Uh, it was, I think something that I needed at that time in my life. Right. And, uh, it kind of filled, filled some, places that i needed i think guitar so, does that for everybody right absolutely yeah. i mean so I, weird. I did the same exact thing general, yeah, yeah. and so it, it's it's always been a really good friend and somehow i always connected with that more i mean i love music in general and anything i can play uh you know that i feel like you can do something cool on or something that like you get a kick out of or you think somebody else would get a kick out of right. you know like i enjoy doing it but i'd say i started playing seriously when i was about 11 and okay. just kind of like went for it so, so how old were you when you first got your first band together then uh or you started playing out you know even well actually what happened was so i moved around a lot as a kid okay and uh, i ended up uh on my with my mom's parents and i was i think like 14 or 15 and they were really cool about everything they were like you know we get basically two rules if you're gonna do something stupid do it somewhere else <laughs> And uh, if you get busted, don't ask for help. So that was kind of like part of that rule. You know, basically, if you're going to do something stupid, you're going to own it, uh, which I think is a great rule. That's a good rule um, for life, really. Absolutely. And then the second rule was you must be in church every Sunday. So I did the only logical oh, thing you could do, which was I found a church that would pay me to go to church. Right. Church so band. through a, a really weird series of events, I found a band that needed a bass player. And they're like, yeah, we'll pay you 50 bucks a week to come and play bass in our church. 
So uh, I started going to church every week. And, uh, <laughs> it's weird how <laughs> I'm so religious all of a sudden. <laughs> right. So, uh, and I ended up meeting uh, a couple of people from this church that ended up starting a nonprofit in South America. And the, the guy was uh, the worship leader in this church. He's also the youth pastor. Uh, his name is Nick Billman. He's a great guy. Um, they've always been like family to me. I mean, anything I needed, they were always there for me. I actually lived with them for a while. Oh, cool. And, uh, so they wrote a lot of their own original music and him and his wife have been together since they were like kids hmm. and uh, uh, just just a really, really great family. She's equally as talented. So Nick is Nick is a vocalist and a, a rhythm player. Um, the Martin that I play, the D16, was actually his. Oh. Uh, he gave it to me after my second tour with them. Um, I get paid a lot in gear, right. uh, you know, in Taco Bell. Uh, so, but anyway. As uh, a kid, that was probably amazing. Oh, it was fantastic, yeah, right. <laughs> you know. Um, so uh, when I graduated high school, I went to a mission school to be a missionary. I did not know any of this about you. This is awesome. I swear it's all true too. You can fact check me. That's the whole point. Yeah, this is cool. Google. I'm Googling it right right now. I'm sure there's a Wikipedia somewhere like Cody Wilt is an asshole. Well, I will just throw this tidbit in before you go. Cody, not only was he paid in Taco Bell, he is the best at Taco Bell. They have this little thing where you put like a quarter in and like spin it and it lands on this thing and you can get like a free... Like yeah. burrito or something. All right. Cody nails it every time. I got to give a shout out. All right. So when I was playing with Nick, uh, there was another dude about my age that played in the band. His name is Jacob Lampley. He's from uh, West Texas town called Seminole. Um, good dude. And when we were out on the road, uh, he actually taught me how to do that. And there's like this little trick with it. You know, as, as long as there's not water, if there's water, you're screwed. You might as well buy it. Right. Uh, but, you know, this little trick where like we would get. We, I mean, I'd say per diems, but I think that's kind of giving it too much credit. You know what I mean? Like we would get like you get the quarter you know, for the machine. You'd, well, you'd, you'd stop in, and they'd be like, "All right, everybody, here's ten bucks. You know, go get some food." And like Jacob and I would go, and we would take quarters, and we would bring burritos, and then pocket the extra money because right. that was the only way we had to make money. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and and it was great because we we were raising money for this nonprofit. Um, which sidebar, if anybody is interested in anything like that. It's called Shores of Grace. It's a nonprofit based in Brazil. I think they're currently in Recife. Um, they work with women and children coming out of uh, sex trafficking. Oh, wow. And uh, they try to help give uh, women in prostitution another means of income if they want it. Uh, if not, I mean, there's no judgment. Like, they'll go out and they'll, t- they'll take the girls' things to try to help keep them safe, make sure that they're healthy, and, mm-hmm. uh, oh, you know, check oh. up on them and just, you know, be a friend. Wow, that's crazy. So, but I ended up doing two tours with them and played on, I think, six albums. Uh, we did a lot of live stuff. Uh, I was telling Steve before we started the podcast, like we were talking about Nashville. Um, I did have a great opportunity about 10 years ago to go down to the Sound Kitchen. And, uh, you know, you're just Star Trek, Star Trek looking at like everything, like the records and stuff on the walls. And uh, that's that would have never happened without them. So I'm eternally grateful. But, you know, that was a really cool experience. That was my first time out on the road to be like 19 and you know we toured coast to coast i think the first tour we did was 90 days and the second one was 60 shows in 60 days wow so uh but it's it's a labor of love you know i think that's when i really really started to fall in love with it and do you think that's where you got a like a lot of uh your your music knowledge from like those guys probably were pretty well rehearsed they were probably pretty musical i always just notice the guys that come from the church you know what i mean that come from like the church scene they are always some of the best musicians out there because they actually can communicate music to each other. Um, 
harmonies. They can all do harmonies, oh, which yeah. I don't. Did they like just take you guys aside and like bless you with harmonies? Or something? <laughs> I don't understand. In the back room. Every church person I've ever met can sing harmonies like a beast. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're so, doing the Lord's work, right? To That's right. Tell you the truth, I, I've always because I've always really loved music. Like even like the high school that I went to was great. Um, like especially for the time, you know, like they did offer you. Uh, options for electives and things like that. And so I took a couple theory classes when I was there. Um, the guy I was taking lessons from at the time was a Berkeley student. He was a gypsy jazz guy. So he oh, was Jesus. like phenomenal. Like, yeah, like make your head explode kind of. And, right. and I'd come in, I'd be like, uh, let's do like this sack wild solo from No Rest for the <laughs> Wicked. And he'd be like, why don't you sit back and watch me play this Django riff for you? you know? <laughs> right. uh, but, you know, I'm grateful for everything that he taught me as well. So actually, whenever I met Nick, uh, I was a very jaded child, and uh, I was very skeptical about them because they were super nice. Right. And I was like, what's the angle, you know? Um, but I remember going in, and how did it go? I think it was like our first rehearsal, and I was playing bass, which I'd never done before, to be fair. And I was playing this Ibanez bass that somebody had trash-picked out of a dumpster. <laughs> so it was like perfect, you know? And uh, we get into the space and everything, and he's like this is an A. <laughs> and I'm just looking at him like, play the fucking song, you know? <laughs> and, and at the time, like, I, I loathed this man, but, like, we ended up becoming really great friends, and, and he's a really solid dude. But um, I would say, like, most of my music knowledge, like, I was just fortunate enough that, like, the schools that I went to, like, even in Shippensburg, like, I majored in uh, sociology, but I took a pile of music credits and uh, the professors there were all really great. It's just something I've always found fascinating. Like cool, yeah. I don't actually know why I'm good at it because it's one of the like people joke about that that like music theory. And, uh, it's like this monster, but I probably feel more comfortable with that than like anything else. Like ask me to do my taxes and I'm screwed. Yeah, you know? sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's interesting, man. That's a really cool story. So you've been you've been doing this definitely for a while, then. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't a new game to you. No, I mean I think it's like it's, like I grew up around it and. Uh, like, even, like, that part, like, on my da dad's side, like, I still get to go see everybody, like, for family reunions and stuff. And, like, everybody shows up with something, like, and there'll be inevitably, like, a guitar, a mandolin, and a banjo or some variation thereof. I love it. And if you don't bring an instrument, you are, like, you're shunned. <laughs> you <know? laughs> How I old were you when you started writing? Uh, you know, it's funny because, like, with this trip and just the emphasis on, like, playing original music, I was kind of doing, like, some uh, personal inventory and uh, I had a flashback to, like, seventh grade, and I was, like, hardcore into, like, the, the punk rock thing uh, and uh, listened to a lot of Blink-182, <laughs> uh, a lot of Blink-182. <laughs> uh, Is that I, punk rock? Never well, what do we call? What do we call it? It's, We're not uh, genre depends on what year you lived in. Is there, there's, another, right. there's another P word that you're thinking of. Um, <laughs> Rhymes with pussy. I don't know, can we say that? Yeah, um, we can say that. But uh, no, I remember like sitting down and I had one of those like uh, the Manila composition notebooks. And uh, when we weren't drawing like comic books of like, you know, death dicks. and destruction and <laughs> dicks. That's what Chuck uh, draws. He can't I'd, touch pen to paper without drawing a dick. I had started writing songs. It always looks like Dan, too. <laughs> so I had started writing and like I had, I had, like just I just had this flashback to like junior high of like, and it wasn't anything good. You know what I mean? Sure. It was very basic stuff. Stuff like, you know, all in the key of G, you know. Do you remember I still write first songs song. like that. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, song in G. Yeah. I don't remember the first song that I wrote, but I remember the first song that I wrote that I started playing for people that actually became like a thing. Like it was recognizable. Like how you, old was you? How old were you then? Man, that was college. 
Just just about. That? Oh man, it was that. Uh, it's that like that kind of swing rockabilly song, that evil bitch song. Oh, oh yeah, no, that's yeah. a great song yeah. too. So I had written the the riff to that. Uh, I think I had just gotten back from the second tour with Nick and Rachel and I had time to kill because like you come back from the road and you don't have a job and you don't have money and you don't, you don't have anything. I think you're so, supposed to come back from the road with money. I well, think that's supposed, how it's supposed to work. I have never talked to anybody where that usually is the case. But, <laughs> but you know, so I had time to kill and, uh, and I was feeling creative. I was very invigorated, like inspired from everything, being able to go out and do it and uh, have a good time. And so I had written this riff and sat on it for a number of years and then I was in college and happened to uh, have a really uh, difficult situation the with a, a member Pitch, of the right? opposite sex. <laughs> yeah. It's it's actually a love song, you right. know. But no, I mean, I was sitting. Uh, we had this really sweet apartment. We were really stupid, so we had paid like our first year apartment with our student loans. So we had a really nice apartment. It's like the only time in my life I've ever had like a really nice home. And uh, I'm paying for it now. But uh, I had I had a loft upstairs. Like I didn't have a I didn't have a door on my my bedroom. So like if I had a guest, I had to like pull this like those folding like accor- accordion style doors, and I would like throw a sheet over it. So because I had really uh, fucked up roommates too. Like because they would like just walk right into your room door right. or not. So it didn't really matter. Dude, but, what's up? Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like uh, you know. But uh, no, I, I was sitting down playing the riff one day and I ended up writing this song and it was like, I think that was the first time where it really clicked with me. Like when you're feeling something, you can actually like get this out. Convey it yeah. to and, another medium. But it was also like, you know, the idea, like if you, if you read the lyrics, you'd probably be like, okay, he needs like some help. <laughs> right. uh, but if you hear the song, it's like this very tongue in cheek thing. And like, I went through this big phase with that where it was like, man, it's great. Cause like I could feel a certain way that, you know, maybe I'm not not gung-ho about and I'd like to not deal with this shit anymore but then you write a song that's kind of tongue-in-cheek about it and all of a sudden it, it becomes funny right you know and it's like it's very a very healing thing you sure. know? it's a way to deal with it yeah, yeah. What's, well, what song on this album do you like what's what's your favorite song man that's hard <laughs> uh oh man I like them all because they're all different mm-hmm. like uh the songs that John wrote like I said like it's great because I get to play leads on it and uh I think playing with John really made me step up my game because he's such an intimidating guitar player. And it's like, okay, well, I can't come in here and whiff this. You know what I mean? Right. Like, there's going to be an expectation, right. you know, because like, you know, and some of it's an ego thing. Like, we we all have egos. Like, you can't be a musician without some level of ego. does not exist. Um, but, what? you know, it, it's a very friendly <laughs> thing between John and I. Like, if you come and catch a live show, like, a lot of times we'll pick, like, at least one song in a set where we can just break it down and Morgan's carrying the bass line and John and I are just like throwing leads back and forth. Um, and it's never about like, I'm better than you. Yeah. you know, like our styles do. are so different. Like that doesn't even make sense. Like right. we're right. both playing six string instruments. That's about the only thing that's similar, but, um, I don't know. Like John's got a song on there called "Everybody Pays for My Sins." That's like kind of like a darker ballad, and it's a that's kind of title. That's kind of and that's the kind of stuff that like I like. You know, like let's uh, check that out, man. You know, absolutely. Kind of felt like I was 
was to blame Mom started drinking and brother shut us out The family never was the same And so began the cycle And it spiraled through the years A story for the ages Written with tears Let the rain come down Wash the pain away Let me take it home Song, that was John's. That was John's song. Yep. Yeah, we were just, we, you know, we were talking about it during the the break there while we were listening. But uh, man, I really like his voice. Like it, it has like what I was saying. It has this nice sweetness to it. Like uh, you know, you could you hear what he's trying to say, but it has this little sweetness, and I like the way he draws off on his lyrics and stuff like that. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I enjoy it. Your guys' yeah. songwriting complements each other really well too. Thank like you. You were saying with your with your playing too, like. Him coming in and ripping a lead on your stuff, and you rip. I think you guys definitely have a, a, a you know, a relationship there somewhere. You know, that's that's yeah, mutual really respect. Huh? For yeah, sure. it's, I think be, both being guitar players too helps with that because we speak the same language, right? You right. know, having so. a little bit of that camaraderie and like a little bit of a contrast, com, a contrast, but a little bit like a, a, like you said, you come in with an expectation, so like a little bit of competition. Right. Yeah, that kind of keeps you working hard, you know. Yeah, like yeah, it keeps iron, you on your toes. Yeah. Iron sharpens iron. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. That's awesome. So uh, we're getting ready to close up here for the day, yeah, but uh, yeah. why don't you tell us what you got going on for 2020? Sure. I mean, I think we're we're just trying to continue to do, uh, you know, kind of what we we have been doing, which is try to book like more places. And and my my focus lately has been, you know, 
coming back recharged from Nashville and like talking to some songwriter friends that we had down there, like PA boys that have moved down there and done that. That gives us a different insight as to what that looks like. Cause there's so many angles you could take, right? Like right. you could, you could try to be a writer and try to get stuff picked up and try to get cuts and you could try to be a performer and see if anybody, you know, likes you enough you. that they would actually buy a song, you right. know, and have you do it or demo it for them. Um, but, you know, my thing is like, you know, like we were talking earlier, times are different now. You know, you can have an organic following because you can reach people and you don't necessarily need like a, a corporate name behind you. Like, like we have YouTube. Dumping $60,000 <laughs> into something, you know, so that you can go and, and play for a couple months, you know. Right. Yeah. So, but that's kind of my goal is like, you know, I'd. I'd Always end up back in PA. I don't know that I would ever leave forever. You know, everybody I mean? we've but talked to so far has said the same thing yep, too. Always come yeah. back. It's impossible to leave this place. Yeah, it's like a giant hole. It just keeps you here. Well, I mean, at the same time, I think it's just a part of you. You right. know, yeah. and and we have a really interesting perspective on it too here because you know we're not in Philly, we're not in Pittsburgh. It's it's different here. <laughs> it's it's like south but north of the line. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a, it's a different kind of experience, but I think for me, it's, you know, my goals for 2020, uh, is basically, you know, to look back at what I liked about this year so much. And what I liked was, uh, you know, playing new venues, venues that I never had the opportunity before or never thought about doing before, you know, um, like when we played the Bryce Jordan center, uh, earlier this year, like to walk in through the back and see a picture of James Hetfield hanging on the wall. Yes. I was like a little <laughs> girl. Is. I was all giddy. And and then the funny thing is that everybody that worked in the back there, like a lot of them were students. So they're like, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> right. like, uh, don't ruin the moment. You <laughs> right. know? Just tell me where I need to go <laughs> and let me have my dream. <laughs> right. um, but, you know, Fall Fest with Olivia Faribault this year was awesome too. And, you know, I do enjoy that, that aspect of music, like just being a guitar player and, you know, making friends and people that you know have great songs and, and great ability but they need a band to back them up for a bigger gig like that i always try to do that i mean it's just a right. blast and it keeps things interesting sure. you know because you're gonna you're gonna play a different style of music um but i got a couple gigs uh, already lined up for out in pittsburgh it's a city that i've never really done anything in so i'm looking forward to that um should be out at the thunderbird cafe and uh, out at penn brewing cool so which they have an excellent hefeweizen so i'm looking forward to that <laughs> i've been spoiled by pittsburgh the only That's place awesome. i've ever played there pittsburgh. is stage a the american yeah yeah stage. you guys oh, yeah. Went, that was awesome <laughs> you know yeah. but again you know it's another thing where actually with where i'm at i'm actually closer to pittsburgh than philly uh i caught a lot of shit on this trip for being a yinzer uh, <laughs> but the, the, the thing is though is if you're from fulton county you don't say yin you say yuns <laughs> Yes, yes. You know, yeah. uh, I think that's more local here too. We'll do, we'll, we'll, we'll do a UN. I don't say Warsh. Yeah, do that's Warsh. that's Southern Fulton. I wasn't that close to Creek? West Virginia. <laughs> I said Crick until I moved out of Fulton County and realized that there is actually it's not Creek. it's not spelled C R I C K. Yeah, there's no I in there. But as a kid, that's definitely how I spelled it. <laughs> it you know? is so it is Crick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Joe. You're just well, doing you said uh, you know you're looking forward to all the things that you got going on, and like I always say that. If you put it out there, you know, it's a better chance of it actually happening. So, like, is there any places or bands or, or people that um, that you could see, like, as a as an obtainable goal here in 2020 that you'd like to pursue? Anything that you got your eye on? Um, we have been talking to a few people uh, about trying to get in with uh, Red 11, um, which is a, a management label, and they work with some a lot of like-minded bands. I think that was the cool thing is to have somebody come and it's like, 
I think usually when you're looking at taking a big step like that, your first thought is, am I good enough? Right. Or am I what they want? Um, and to have somebody else come to you and say like, I think you're what they want, you know, like, and yeah. I'm like, well, I don't know who they are, but that's awesome. You know Perfect. what I mean? Yeah. And I, I kind of live under a rock when it comes to some of that stuff. So, um, but cause like I said, you know, for me, I would rather be out grinding than trying to like build a bigger fan base and try to meet people. And do you guys talk about as a band, like maybe hiring somebody to do that for you? Absolutely. I mean, that's, it's definitely been a conversation. Um, I think when it comes to booking like that in and of itself can be a full-time job Absolutely. And, you know, doing it independently. Like we have a lot of, uh, between the four of us, there are a lot of skill sets that, that cater very well to that. Sure. Um, but it also kind of gets in the way of other things where it's like, you know, yes, you can make a living doing this, but yes, you're also going to work air quotes overtime right. every week. And it's like, it's not overtime, dude. It's just the gig. It's right. the job, you right. know? And yep. if you can't, if you can't be okay with that, then, you know, like then maybe either find something else to do or like find another way to work it. But like for me, it's like I said, you know, if you're, if you're not in jail, the bills are paid and you're playing your music and meeting cool people and, that. you know, that's a good day. Eating good that. food to boot, you know? Yeah, that's a real good day. So yeah, you're right, man. There's a lot of footwork that takes getting yourself to the gig Absolutely. just to be on the stage and play. And one right. of my, uh, I love the Turnpike Troubadours and one of my favorite lines in one of their songs is if loving songs ain't in your cards, find another game because at the end of the day if you don't love the music and the songs and the shit that you're doing you're gonna get real worn out on all the other <laughs> shit really real quick, quick. Yeah. there's a lot of bullshit that comes along with so performing those songs you know i tell people too like uh a lot of times like you go to gigs and it's like like last night i played in gettysburg at a brewery and uh you know it's a great brewery they've got really good beer they've got great food um the people there are great um little slow with the holidays right um but it's like no matter what gig you come back to, like after you do like a gig that you've been really looking forward to, like you could go play like the greatest gig and it still just want to be like you would feel off. You yeah. know what I mean? But like I always tell people like for me, if you go into a room and you play and like, you know, let's say, you know, you got a moneymaker gig and you're playing in a bar and it's it's an off night or, you know, you're solo guy and people don't really get as is is uh pumped up for just a guy with an acoustic guitar in the corner like they would like a cover band or something like that, you know? But, like, you do it for you, sure. you know? Like, if I'm having a hard time, like, at a gig, like, if, if I'm having a hard time, like, keeping my spirits up or, like, being positive or you had a rough day or something, you know, like, just close my eyes and do it for me, you right. know? Sing the stuff that I want to hear and uh, yep. and try to tap into it. Absolutely. That's I so think crazy. that's the truth, man. Yeah, that's man. the way to do it. That's a, that's a huge thing that, you know, I don't think... Yeah, just think of it other, as a practice if you have to. that I've talked to a lot about, you know, that whole mental game while you're on stage, even absolutely. You know, I every every time I get on stage, first song I always feel terrible. One, <laughs> I've never it's never gotten better. Every single I'm not nervous. I just don't feel in time. Right, you know what I mean. Yeah. It just feels off every time. But you know, I know that I have to sit there and tell myself, oh, it's going to be. You know, maybe the second, maybe the third song, but it's going to start to jive, and it won't. Why it won't do you lie so... to yourself? Like that? right, <laughs> that's a good point. That's, that's a good hilarious. point. Well. um... Cody, you got to get off and running. You do the open mic every Sunday at North Mountain Inn. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. um, so you can catch Cody. He, you know, does the open mic on Sundays. You perform as a solo uh, singer songwriter. You also perform as a duo with your partner John Rossi of Cold Spring Union, and uh, they can also see you with the whole band. 
everybody out. Tell them about your social media stuff, where they can find all your stuff. Oh, sure. Yeah, so it's super simple because everything that we do as a band is Cold Spring Union. Because somehow or another, those three words never land. There's like a lot of Cold Spring stuff in the right, area because it, no is, it, is it is a local shout-out, but uh, not Cold Spring Union. So we're Perfect. at Cold Spring Union on like all of our social media. Uh, our website's coldspringunion.com, which is usually pretty easy That's to remember. That's a win. Awesome. Um, and uh, – you know, you can you can find my stuff by going there as well, or you can look me up, Cody Wilt. On, you guys are uh, on Facebook. iTunes, Spotify. And yeah, all the, those the EP as well. we did we did the soft release. Everything digital is already up, so it's on iTunes. Um, I actually just posted a video to my personal Instagram this morning uh, because my fiance uh, recently has. Uh, Congratulations, uh, by the way. Thank yes. you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. The lovely Mora. Yes, I'm a lucky man. Yes, She's so right. lucky. Yeah. She's luckier. I'm lucky. <laughs> that sounds like something Chubb would say. <laughs> but she, she recently has like Amazonified our house okay. where uh, we are now like, you know, instead of going and turning off the light switch at night, I have to tell Alexa to do it for me. Because yeah. when uh, I turn the lights off, then you can't turn them on by telling her to turn them on. And I'm like, oh, look at me. I, mean, I, just, I went for straight for the light switch. I thought that was the logical, yeah. you know. But anyway, uh, you know, we were uh, having dinner together last night before I left. Uh, for the gig and she was like oh real quick check this out you know like give me any song any song in the world so I go Alexa play uh, Lucille Brown by Cold Spring Union and she pulls it right up from uh, Amazon Music so if you've got if you've got like the Echo or anything that Alexa lives in and you've got an Amazon Music (laughs) account all you have to do is say play Cold Spring Union and we'll be right there with you in your living room that is so cool it feels good right it was was definitely a cool little thing and you have a lot of different venues that you're going to be hitting up this year as well absolutely Um, and we've done Citadel the Citadel Festival the last two years that they've had that that's out in chester county um that's always a really fun time because they've had a lot of big big bands out there uh that it's just been a pleasure to be on the same bill as i mean they've had alabama and travis tritt and uh rep paisley was there and uh every, everything that they so do is really cool so catch you uh, online catch you out on in the venues mm-hmm. you guys are going to be doing a lot of stuff this year yeah, absolutely. Yeah, follow us on Facebook. Go to our website and uh, find a show near you. Yeah, what's man. A, uh, before we go here, what's uh, just a shout out to somebody who's another local dude that you're digging that you're listening to, or you're paying attention to? Anybody you're doing? listening to? Oh man, I got to give Nick Staver a shout out. Oh hell yeah, uh, good call. You know, like we 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 definitely are living in different genres. He's more of a blues guy. He's always got a resonator guitar with him, but. You know, honestly, without Nick, I don't know that I'd be doing this right now because right. he's uh, a great musician. He Nick would, will be here next yeah, weekend. Awesome. Well, you guys are in for a treat. Awesome. Uh, Nick is just such a, not a genuinely podcast, no, not on the podcast. The studio. No, sorry, oh, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, well, sorry. well, maybe we maybe you can play oh, some we'll stuff from the yeah, recording. Let's, let's well, he's going to be yeah, on the we'll podcast eventually. Yeah, we'll yeah end let's end on a Nick Staver song. Yeah, absolutely. What's what's one of his tunes that you dig? I know we helped him. Noah Higgins and Andrew and I helped him shoot the. The music video for Temperance oh, this past yeah. year, which was really cool. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, you guys should play that one because I, I know the guy that he worked with on that as well, and that that is probably one of my favorite songs that he's done. Mine, mine too. I mean, when I heard that, I'm like, man, this is this is radio ready. This is it was good songwriting. Like you could feel you could feel the emotion coming it's, out of him yeah, in that song. But absolutely. Nick is such a genuinely kind-hearted person, and you know, when I was looking to quit my desk job to do this full time, I went to him because he was a friend, and he's been doing it for years. Right. And you know, he's got a family. He's married. They got a baby now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a house. And I'm like, dude, how is how does this work? Like, how can you do this? And he was so encouraging. He was basically just, you know what, man, you got music. Like that's just, that's just part of who you are, but you just got to just work hard. 
Mm-hmm. You know, quit your job and do it. Like, just do it. Yeah. yeah. You know, like yeah. the Nike thing. The right. footwork. You know? The footwork, yeah, He recorded man. the audio for that here. Yeah, awesome. Well, awesome. Nick Staver and Temperance, we're going to send it out on that. Uh, right. Kingfish and Friends, we got Chubbadiah in the house. Thanks, Chubb. Yeah, man. Love you, Chubb. I'm glad that you didn't today. talk too much today. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah, man. I was just chilling. The podcast is going to get the He's best. He's sitting there pondering over. his outfit for next <laughs> week. I think we cut him down pretty hard on yeah. the yeah. jam. We bottoms. need to see some. Uh, yeah, we need to see. I'm some, kind of uh, bummed out, man. Some I'm Santa bummed. Santa bottoms yeah, here. Seriously, it's, it's, it's the season, Chubb. Yeah, you gotta get. Well, actually, he he wore uh, something last week. I Candy think canes, man. Candy canes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. He, he did. He did. Well, Dan, thanks for coming this time too. Yeah, actually. you're welcome, guys. Hey, you got a pass return of forty. Well, well thank you for having us yeah. again, Steve. As amazing as always. Yeah, absolutely. Thank Happy thank birthday, you. Dan. Yeah. Steve Shaw of Shaw Ranch Studios hosts the podcast here every Sunday as we do it. Um, thank you again to Cody Will of Cold Spring Union for being here. We appreciate you so much, brother. It's been an honor to be your friend and uh, see everything grow and. Hell yeah. Be a part of the oh, scene yeah. with you. So. Keep on Absolutely, keeping on. Guys. Likewise. Yeah. Love you guys. Love so. you. All right. Here it is. Nick Staver, Temperance. Peace. I've been waiting for the rain to stop. I've been waiting out the rain. I've been waiting for the storm. I've been waiting for the river to dry So I can come back home Crawl across the bed Fall asleep In the arms of temperance So if you don't mind Stop wasting my time Change your ways, give me peace. I've been waiting for the tides to change so I can see the mud below my feet. Count the waves crashing to the shore. So if you don't mind, stop wasting my time, change your ways, give me peace. So if you don't mind, stop wasting my time, change your
I've been waiting for the river to dry So I can come back home Crawl across the bed and fall asleep In the arms of temperance 